in the 8th verse, says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then in James 2 and 24, James 2 and 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Let's read those two again. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, a gift of God, not of works. And then in James 2.24, it says, You see that a man is saved by works, or justified by works, and not by faith only. So it would seem, from reading these two verses, there's a contradiction in the Bible concerning faith and works. It would appear as though the Holy Spirit through Paul, directly contradicted himself through James. But we understand that there's no contradictions in the Bible. So for today and the next couple of weeks, we want to use as a subject faith versus works. We want to talk about faith versus works. Now, uh, we just trust that the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and that some revelation from the Word of God comes to us concerning the topic of faith versus works. Um, notice in Romans 3, verse 28. Now, there's numerous uh, verses on the subject of faith and works. And it's clear to me from years of study that we are saved by grace through faith apart from works. There's nothing that you and I can do on our best day to earn our way into heaven. Okay, now you have to understand that. There's nothing that you can do to help the blood of Jesus out just a little bit. Did you hear what I just said? There's, there's, there's water baptism isn't going to do it. Giving tithes to the church isn't going to do it. Church attendance isn't going to do it. You know, there's nothing that you and I can do to win our way into heaven. You have to understand that. Now, let's look at it. And we could turn to numerous verses on this. But but let's look at at Romans three, verse twenty eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified or saved by what? By what? By by faith. Notice apart from the deeds or apart from the works of the law. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That agrees with what we read in Ephesians, the second chapter. Look at Galatians 2.16. Look at Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a, a man, a woman, a person is justified or saved. Notice that a, a man is, is what? Is, is not. I missed that. Not. Realize, say not. A man is not saved. Not justified. And that means a woman, a boy, or girl. Knowing that a person is not, is not, is not, is not, is not, is not, is not. Did I get that? Did I get that? Is not what? Justified or saved by the what? By the works of the law. Is not, is not, is not justified by the works of the law, but by what? But by what? By faith in who? In Jesus Christ. You okay? You got that? 
Even we who have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by what? By are saved by faith, justified by faith. Justified, saved means the same thing. In Christ, and not, and not, and not by what? Works of the law. For by the works of the law, or by good deeds or good works, no flesh shall be justified or saved. Is that clear? Now let's go to Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5. Now, we could read dozens and dozens and dozens of these kinds of scriptures that say that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works. Look at Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration, renewing by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so is that clear? That we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the grace of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Now, is that clear? Have I made that clear? And we could go through uh, dozens of scriptures. Okay, so I think three or four should be sufficient. Now, we want to get to that apparent contradiction in James. Because James looks like he's saying that it's, it's works. Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But since, since uh, we're, here in, well, we're here in Titus, let's look at Romans 4. Uh, go to Romans 4, verse 2. Because James, in a moment, is going to say something about Abraham. And, and, and Paul has something to say about Abraham. So let's read what Paul has to say about Abraham as it pertains to faith and works. And then, and then we'll have that in our thinking when we get over to James. Look at Romans 4, verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. There's nobody going to stand before God and boast that they did something to win their way into heaven. Do you understand that? So if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for... Righteousness. So now remember that verse because uh, Paul quotes it here and James is going to quote it here in just a moment. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So it was his faith that got him saved, not not works. Okay, and that's what verse two said. Now look at verse four. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, and this is not talking about going to work at Macy's or something like that. This is talking about to him who does not do good works, but what? But what? But believes or trusts or has faith. All that means the same thing. Believe, trust, faith. All the same thing. But believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Now, who would that be? That would be Jesus, right? His faith is accounted for what? For righteousness. Are you getting this? Are you getting that we're saved by grace through faith apart from works? And that's how Abraham got saved. OK. And then David in verse six. Look at this. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man or woman, boy or girl, to whom God imputes righteousness. Notice this. Apart from what? Apart from works. So I don't know what else I could do. 
to make it clear that we're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ apart from anything that we could do, any, any works that we could do. Now, having said that, let's go to James, the second chapter and the 14th verse, and let's spend the rest of our time here looking at what looks to be a contradiction, but it isn't. James 2, verse 14. Now, notice here, this is a New King James Version. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? Question mark. Now, if you get in and study this out a little bit, when he says there, can faith save him? It actually reads this way. Can that kind of faith save him? Can that kind of faith save him? So let's read verse 14 again. What does it profit? My brethren, he's talking to Christians here. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works. If someone says he has faith, but does not have accompanying works. Okay. Can that kind of faith save him? And the answer is unequivocally no. That kind of faith cannot save somebody. As you'll see, a faith that is a faith that does not have works standing alongside of it is not a Bible faith. You have to understand that there is a fake faith. There is a counterfeit faith. There is a Dead faith. There is something that looks like well, a counterfeit. If I was going to counterfeit something, would I want to counterfeit a seven dollar bill? Why? Because there's no real seven dollar bills. Is that right? So I'd want to counterfeit maybe a 10 or a 20 or a 50 because there's real ones. Right. And we'd want to make those counterfeits look just as much like the real as we could because we're trying to fool folks. Is that, is that right? And there is a fake faith. There is a counterfeit faith. There is a dead faith. There is an unproductive faith. There, there is, there is uh, something that it's called faith, but it's not. It, it, it looks like it. It, 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 it sounds like it, it. It acts like it, but, but it's not. And there's a lot of people have that fake faith and they die and they wind up in hell. And that's one of the reasons the Lord wants me to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. You, you don't want to die with that kind of faith, a fake faith, a counterfeit faith. Hold your place here in James 2. I want you to see this. Go to 2 Timothy 1.5. We're going to read this in the King James Version. 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul, writing to Timothy... Notice 2 Timothy 1.5. He's talking to Timothy and he says this. When I call to remembrance the, the... This is in the King James Version now. When I call to remembrance the what? The what? The, the what? The unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that in thee also. Notice Paul says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Now, that word feigned means fake. Fake. So, 
He says, when I call to remembrance the unfake faith, well, if something is unfake, then that means it's genuine. Is that right? It's real. So Paul is commending Timothy and he says, hey, you have unfake faith, unfake, uncounterfeit. So he's saying, hey, Timothy, you've got the real thing and your grandmother had it and also your mother. Why did I turn to this scripture? Just to get you to see that there is an unfeigned faith. There is an unfake faith. So, if so, But you also need to realize that there is a fake faith. There is a counterfeit. You need to understand that. Now, let's go back to James 2 and verse 14. Let's read that again. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? In other words, they they, they say they've got faith, but there's no corresponding action. Can that kind of faith save him? And the answer is no. The fake faith that we're going to say more about here as we go along, if someone has that fake faith, that kind of faith can't save them. Now, we'll say more as we go. Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, notice, and you'd agree with me that, you know, I could stand up here and say I've got faith all day long. But if somebody showed up out there and they were legitimate, I don't mean just somebody trying to scam the church out of, out of money, but because we have those people come by regularly that they, they go from church to church just trying to scam money. You give them money, they'll go out and buy cigarettes or they'll go out and buy alcohol with it. You understand that, that there's those people that come by here regularly. And when I don't give them money, then somebody looking in that doesn't know the situation, they think I'm a meanie. It's not fair for you to get up at five or six o'clock in the morning, go to work, bring tithes and offerings to the church, and then us give your money to a deadbeat. Can anybody say amen? Is that right? But if there's somebody that's really legitimate and they need help, and we can help them and we don't, what what is it, what, what what's this all about then? Why are we even doing this? It's just a bunch of fakery, isn't it? Is that right or not? So notice here, James is saying in verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, if it does not have corresponding action, is what is what is what is dead. Is there a dead faith? He just said there was. Is there a faith that, that is dead? Is there a faith that is barren or are, are fake or feigned or counterfeit? Yes. Yes, there is. And what James is saying here is he's saying that kind of faith is not going to save you. Let's read on. Verse 18. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And then he says, this, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? He's essentially saying, put up or shut up right there, isn't he? Or he's essentially saying, put your money where your mouth is. Is that right? When I was a kid, I didn't, I, I, reading James, James is kind of rough and tough and kind of blunt. But as I've pastored, see, he, he was a pastor. 
And as I've pastored now for some 20 years and you deal with all kinds of people and you, you, you deal with people that, that they talk, they talk the talk, but there's no corresponding walk. They talk real good Christianese. Did you hear what I just said? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But there's no corresponding action behind it. It's just a bunch of talk. That's that's vain. That's fakery. That's not real. And James dealt with people like that. And I think he was just real blunt. He was just saying, hey, you know, you want to talk a good game and you want to say how much faith you have. He says, show me your faith without works without corresponding action. See, he's not talking about salvation here. He, he's talking. He's, he's just saying, hey, I want to be. Sh-. And, and, and he is talking about salvation. He is and he isn't. Depends how you want to argue it. But what he's essentially saying is he's saying, put your money where your mouth is. Do you know what I mean by that expression? Put up or shut up. Don't just talk the talk. He's saying, walk the walk. Realize, say, walk the walk. You know, walk the walk. He says, show me your faith without your works. And he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. One of the most powerful statements in the Bible. And then he goes to verse 19, which is, is, you really need to get a hold of this because this is one way, this is one this, this, is counter, this is a counterfeit faith we're going to read about here now. Verse 19, you believe there is one God. He's talking to his congregation. He's talking to the, the people of God here. He says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. I'm real proud of you. Is what he said. I'm real proud of you. And then that next statement, even the demons believe and tremble. You believe there's one God. People go around. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. You know, you probably talk to people like this as well as I do, as, as well as I have. They say, I believe in God. So they think they're saved. Well, I believe in God. And they think they're saved. I believe in Jesus. And they think they're saved. Not if it's just a mental assent, it isn't. Mental assent. There are so many folks that have gone to hell with mental assent. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? They mentally accepted Jesus. Yeah, I heard the gospel. Sounds good. I don't want to go to hell. Yeah, Jesus, come into my heart. But their life never changes. Did you hear what I just said? They, they get their, they, they come up, they get their ticket punch. They want to get their ticket punch to go to heaven, but there's never a change in their life. There's never any evidence that they got saved. And, and, and James dealt with these kind of people. They would go around and they would say, well, I, I have faith. I believe that there's a God. I, I believe, I believe in Jesus, but there was never any works, never any corresponding action, never any evidence that Jesus came into their heart. He just came into their head, if you will. They had a mental acceptance. He said the demons do that. A counterfeit faith, mental acceptance, mental assent. Mental assent is a counterfeit faith. And there's a lot of 
people that have that and they think they're saved. They think they're going to heaven and they're not. You okay? Are you all right out there? I might say some things over the next couple of weeks that might make, make you think a little bit. And then in verse 20, he says it again. Do you not know, foolish man, that faith without works is what? See, let me tell you something about a Bible faith. And we'll bear this out as we go along more and more. We'll say it again and again. A Bible faith. Bible. How many of you want to have Bible faith? Well, with Bible faith, there's a confession And there is an action that goes along with Bible faith. Did you hear what I just said? If you have real Bible faith, there is a confession that goes along with it. And there is action that goes along with it. It, it, it's, it's, It's not the confession and the action that saves a person. It's the faith itself in Jesus that saves a person. But if it's real Bible faith that saves, there's going to be a confession along with it. And there's also going to be corresponding action along with it. That's Bible faith. But if you've just got somebody saying they've got faith and, 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 and there's never any evidence of it, then that's not real Bible faith. Are you OK? Are you all right? You out there? Are you gone home? Are you okay? Let's read on. This will bear itself out more as we go. Look at verse 21. Now he's going to talk about Abraham. Now we just read a moment ago. Paul said Abraham was saved by, 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 by faith, by believing God. Is that right? Now look at James. Again, it's going to look like an apparent contradiction, but it isn't. Now, now look at this. Verse 21. Now James says, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Uh-oh. When he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. So, you, oh, my gosh, you're, you're thinking, oh, that's just, that's, oh, my goodness, that's a contradiction. But no, no, look, read on. Verse 22. Do you see that faith? Now, see, James is, now he's making the, he's emphasizing faith here. Bible faith. Do you see that faith, talking about Abraham here, that faith was working together with his works And by works, faith was made perfect or complete. See, James is not saying that Abraham was justified by works. I mean, that's that's what it looks like he's saying, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that Abraham was justified by his faith, but because it was real Bible faith, there was corresponding action that went along with it. Are you okay with that? If I explain it any more than that, it'll confuse you. I said it. Do you get it? Then we're good. I'm doing better, huh? When I was younger, I'd take 20 minutes, and by the time I got done, people go from understanding it to they'd be confused. Did you get it? And then look at verse 23. James, look, look, he's going to quote the same scripture Paul quoted. Look at, at this. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, now this is what Paul quoted. James is going to quote it. Abraham believed God and it was 
accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Do you see, I want to ask you again, do you see what, what James just said there? Did he say, did he say that Abraham was saved by works alone? No. Did he say that Abraham was saved with a Bible faith that had corresponding action? Yes. Was it the corresponding action that saved him? No, it was the faith, but because it was real Bible faith, it had corresponding action. And then verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now, if you just read verse 24 by itself, that's it's going to confuse you because that's what we're talking about here. You're, oh, but you've got to take it in the light of what we've been talking about. Are you okay? Are you all right? All right, we're good. Let's go on then. Verse 25, likewise, and then he's going to say Rahab did the same thing. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers or the spies and sent them out another way? Well, over in, you don't have to turn there, but in the book of Hebrews, we're in James right now, but in Hebrews, there's a scripture in there. I believe it's in chapter 11. The Hall of Fame of Faith. He's talking about Rahab in one of the verses. And he said, by faith, Rahab. So if we went to Hebrews, would we see that Rahab had faith? Yeah. But, but and it was Bible faith. And because it was Bible faith, there's going to be corresponding action. So all he's doing here is he's saying, hey, just like Abraham, likewise, verse 25, Rahab, same thing. Rahab the harlot was justified by works when she received the spies and sent them out another way. There again, if you look at verse 25 all by itself, you, you can say there's a contradiction. You see, James just said it was by her works. No, that's not what he said. You've got to take the Bible together and look at, look at, it, at it in its entirety. book of Hebrews said Rahab had faith. It was her faith that saved her, but because it was Bible faith, there was corresponding action. And that's what James is saying here. Are you okay? And then verse 26, he says, for as the body without the spirit is dead. You'd agree with me on that. So faith, this is talking about Bible faith without corresponding action. Well, let me say it this way. If you have faith without corresponding action, it's what? It's dead. Faith without works is what? Dead. So faith without corresponding action is dead. That's a dead faith, faith a counterfeit faith. Real Bible faith has, has works or corresponding action that goes along with it. You all right? All right. Now, uh, let me just read a few statements here. And, and, and just think about these. Based on what we've said, salvation is by faith alone, real Bible faith. Would you agree with me on that? But that faith will never be alone. It will always be accompanied by works. Have I made that clear to you? I'm just reading these statements because I want to be sure you got them. James, we just read in James, does not argue against salvation by faith alone. Rather, James argues against a salvation that is alone. A salvation devoid of good works 
and obedience to God's word. Did you get that? James does not argue against salvation by faith alone. He doesn't argue against that. A quick reading of it looks like he does, but he does not argue against salvation by faith alone. Rather, he argues against a salvation that is alone, a salvation devoid of good works and obedience to God's word. Did you know that there are Christians in this land? I don't I'm going to back up if we had a court reporter here, you know, a stenographer, I'd have to say strike that. I just said Christians. I don't know that they're Christians. We have people in this land that think they're Christians. They'll say, I believe in Jesus. But they still go to R-rated movies and sit there and listen to one Four-letter word that starts with F right after another and one GD right after another. And it doesn't even phase them. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? Did you? They'll say, I believe in Jesus. And they'll go to that and they'll sit there and listen and it doesn't even phase them. Doesn't even phase them. I question whether those people are saved. Oh, it's going to get real quiet probably in here. And if anybody's listening on the Internet. This would be a good time. Come. Get that. Get that. Get that microphone for her, would you? Go ahead and just. And we're disturbed by 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 this. This is a good time to, to, to say it. As most of you know, we've been looking for uh, a new music minister and a new youth minister. And uh, in dealing with the applications, um, the number of people that uh, live in sin that our ministers have graduated from Bible colleges is astronomical. I mean, and there's no shame in it. There's no, this is what I do. Um, like people that, um, they go to movies, and, and I'll ask them, I'll say, do you know that the F word was used, you know, 12 times in this movie? Do you know that God's name was taken in vain, you know, 30 times in this movie? And they'll say, well, no. I don't think there was anything wrong with that movie. So I'll tell them to go to Plugged In and look at it, and I'll give them the scriptures that we're not supposed to put any vile thing before our eyes. We're not supposed to use obscene language or approve of those who do that we're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain, and they just shut off. They won't talk anymore because they, don't, they do not think that anything's wrong with that. And um, like one of them... Um, had a whole bunch of, like on Facebook, had a whole bunch of vulgar music that they liked. And so I asked them about it, and I said, uh, we cannot have a youth minister that likes this particular artist or that particular artist. If I click on it, he's putting his middle fingers up, you know, and he uses the F word all the time. And he's talking about the glory of suicide, and he's talking about how he uses drugs and alcohol. And, and the person said, well, well, 
I can take it down from my Facebook, but are you saying if I come there that I can't listen to that? And I'll show them scriptures. You know, this is what scripture says. And they shut off. Yeah. They're totally, totally, totally closed to what the Word of God says about holiness. Yeah. And you can keep that microphone. Yeah. Did you get what she just said? We're talking, about, we're talking about ministers. We're talking about ministers. You say anything you want. Uh, one of them had a. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah, one of them had a YouTube video up on their website, uh, up on their uh, Facebook page, of a minister giving an interview with somebody else on the value of using obscenity in the teaching on Sunday morning. But they'll tell you they believe in Jesus. They'll tell you they're a Christian. That's what, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're dealing with here in this nation. It's very difficult to be a, 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 a minister that preaches right living. And that Can the right living save you? No. But if you're really saved, you're going to live... Does it mean you're never going to make a mistake? No. The Bible says that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm not saying we've got to be perfect, but that, that's, that's what, what we're dealing with now and for the last years. And there's a lot of people think that they're saved. I'm, I'm talking to ministers that have been to years of Bible school. They think they're saved because they believe in Jesus. Well, believing in Jesus does save you if it's real Bible faith, but that real Bible faith, through the grace of God, connects with Jesus. And when you connect with Jesus, not from your head, but from your heart, then you get empowered by the Holy Spirit. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And then you endeavor to live. There's corresponding action. You endeavor to live right. Did you get what I just said? You see, James just pointed out that our faith will be demonstrated by our good works. I've got a little bit of time here. Let's read through these verses in James again from the Message Bible. James 2.14. Message Bible. It'll be on the screen. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? No. You know, uh, I'm just going to have them flashies on the screen. Matthew 15, 8. Just hold your place there in James. They'll just flashies on the screen. Matthew 15, 8. And notice what Matthew 15, 8 says. Jesus says, people, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their, but their heart is. So is it possible to talk Christianese and talk all the right words, but your heart not be close to Jesus? Do you know it's possible? I'll show you before we leave here today that people call Jesus Lord and they're not saved. 
I'll show you that before we leave here in just a few moments. And then notice Titus 1.16. Titus 1.16, just they'll throw it up here on the screen. They professed, there's people that profess, say they know God. But in what? Works they deny Him. See, what gets you saved? It's faith and faith alone. But if it's real Bible faith, if it's real Bible faith in Jesus, you get saved. But then... That produces good works. Do you see that? Good works don't save you, but if you're really saved, it would be good works. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. See, there's people that say they know God. There's people that draw near to Jesus with their mouth, but their heart's far from Him. Let's go back to James now. James 2.15 in the Message Bible. For instance... You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Doesn't get you anywhere. It's it's, it's dead faith. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Boy, he said it pretty good there, didn't he? There was a lot of. So-called Christians, they've got God talk, but there's not God acts. Verse 18, I can already hear one of you are agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith. He's talking about Bible faith here. Fit together hand in glove. Did you get that? Verse 19. Do I hear you professing to believe in one and only God? In the one and only God? But then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had uh, done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. What good does it do them? See, let's just read on. And he says, use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Well, that's a good way to say it, isn't it? And then he talks about Abraham here. He says, wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Let's just read on here. Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith, talking about Bible faith, expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith? The full meaning of, now listen to this, the full meaning of believe or faith in the scripture, in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God includes his what? His action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend, that got him saved. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? Did you isn't that powerful the way that reads? Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren counterfeit fake faith, but by Bible faith, which is what fruitful in in good works? And then he goes on and says the same thing. About Rahab, verse 25. Let's go to verse 26. The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a, with a corpse, a dead corpse. 
Separate faith and works and you'll get the same thing, a corpse. Now, let's go to, I'm almost done here, but are you getting anything out of this? Hebrews 7, verse 21 in the King James Version. And this is very powerful. Because we're going to see right here that a counterfeit fake faith can call Jesus Lord. Can have good works. And yet be counterfeit. This, these three verses prove that. Look at Matthew 7, verse 21, King James Version. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. See, that doeth part comes forth from a real faith. But he's talking about people with counterfeit faith. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I've heard people say this. Well, I've confessed Jesus as Lord, so I'm saved. But they're still living sinful, practicing sinful things continuously. That doesn't line up with the scripture. Verse 22, many will say, Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. See, they keep calling him Lord. They think they're saved because they're calling him Lord. But there's no corresponding. Here, look, let me just read this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. Verse 23, then I'll profess to them, I what? I never knew you depart from me, you who work iniquity, are you who practice sin. Did you see that? Then I'll profess to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice sin. Now, now, would you agree with me? These people never made the connection with Jesus. Is that right? They, they, they never got saved, did they? They never knew the Lord. He said, I never knew you. Do you see that? These people had a counterfeit faith. And a counterfeit faith has a confession. A counterfeit faith can call Jesus Lord. Did these people have a counterfeit faith? Yes. Did they call him Lord? Yes, they did. And here's something else. Did they have good works about them? Yes, they did. Is it possible to have a counterfeit faith and have good works about you? Sure. Let me just say this. Do you know that there's people, are there good organizations out there in the land that do good things for people? But they don't, they don't profess Jesus, do they? But they do a lot of good things. They don't know Jesus. And they die one day and they go to hell. It's, it's, it, you know, that's the real kicker, isn't it? That they lived good, holy, clean lives, but they never hooked up with Jesus and die and go to hell. Isn't that sad? But now I'm going to say something else. There's people that call Jesus Lord, but they practice sin and they go to hell too. Yeah, but, but I call Jesus Lord. I, 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 I prayed a prayer one day. I, I prayed a prayer 20 years ago. I called Jesus Lord. I, 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 I believe God raised him from the dead. I call him Lord. You can have that in your head. But those people go on and they live sinful lives and they die and go to hell too. 
You got another group over here. They're doing a bunch of good works, but they never tap into Jesus. See, you've got to tap into Jesus with real Bible faith. Did you hear what I just said? If you have that real Bible faith, then it's going to produce good works and good works that will stand up for eternity. Now, I want to leave you with this thought. How do you what is the number one way that you can recognize fake faith? And it's right there in verse 23, the last part of verse 23. King James says, ye that work iniquity, but that's really translated, you who realize, say, practice sin. Realize, say, practice sin. See, I'm not talking about messing up or goofing up. How many sinned and goofed up this last week and messed it, messed up? Okay. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. But if you're practicing sin, if you're watching pornography, and that's a lifestyle, and much of the church world, if you do study on statistics, many quote-unquote Christians do that. Oh, there's a dangerous, this, this came out of my spirit the other night in the bedroom with my wife. We were just talking before we went to sleep. And we were talking about these things and it came up out of my spirit. There's a dangerous place to die. There's a dangerous place to die. There's a dangerous place to die. I'm not talking about Afghanistan or Iraq. I'm talking spiritually. There's a dangerous place to die. Those patriarchs, the book of Hebrews says those patriarchs, they all died in faith. When you die, you want to die in real Bible faith. No matter what age you are, if you're over the age of accountability, you want to be sure you die. Realize they die in faith. But there's a dangerous place to die. I said there's a dangerous, there is a dangerous place to die. You don't want to die with fake faith. Did you hear what I just said? You don't want to die in a backslidden condition. Did you hear what I just said? I said you don't want to die in a backslidden condition. You you don't want to die with fake faith. It's a dangerous place to die. We're going to talk, uh, if not next week, uh, probably next week, but as we go on, we're going to talk about a dangerous place to die. There's a dangerous place to die. Uh, Quote, unquote, Christians that have, have, uh, well, Christians, they walk with God at one time and they've backslidden and they've they've stopped serving God. They stop walking with God. There's a dangerous place to die. Christians, quote unquote, Christians that are watching pornography regularly, or, or, or they got foul mouths regularly, corrupt communication coming out regularly, sexually promiscuous regularly, uh, 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 getting drunk regular, regularly. Uh, these kinds of things, I, I, you know, are they going to go to heaven or hell? All I can tell you, and we'll discuss this as we go, uh, realize, say, there's a dangerous place to die. I'm not trying to scare people, but oh, I want to tell you, the fear of God needs to come back into the church. Ananias and Sapphira came in. We're going to talk about them. Did they go to heaven or hell? We're going to discuss that. They came into church. They were Christians. They attended that church there in Jerusalem regularly. They came into church and they lied to, to, to Peter, but he was under the anointing. They lied to the Holy Ghost and, 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 and they fell dead in church. It was the judgment of God. And they don't tell me God doesn't judge people. We need to be afraid of God. 
That's part of the reason that you got sin running rampant in the church. Nobody's afraid of God anymore. We need to have a holy respect for him. And yes, we need to understand that he loves us and he's not looking to beat us over the head. But I'm telling you, there was people came into the church and it had to do with an offering, but they lied. They lied to the Holy Ghost. They fell dead in church. Did they go to heaven or hell? We'll look at that in the weeks ahead. I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, there's a dangerous place to die. Oh, you're scaring me, Pastor. Good. Oh, well, how come you don't have miracles in your... How come you don't have... How come you... Because there's got to be a reverential fear of God. There's a side of me that, that fears God. Somebody, I, I know by the Spirit sitting out there, well, he just doesn't know God. No, I'm wondering if you know God, dear sister, dear brother. Because if you know God, I tell you what, the Bible says, behold, the goodness and the severity of God. And the church has the the pulpits have preached so much of the goodness of God. And we should do that. God is a good God and it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But you can preach the goodness of God to the point where nobody fears God anymore. If we're going to preach one or the other, yeah, let's preach the goodness of God. But if we don't ever talk about the severity of God, then there's a fear of God, a healthy fear of God that's lost. And you got looseness and, and lackadaisicalness among Christians. And you got these testimonies of what Pastor Diane read a moment ago, where you got preachers and, 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 and even preachers that, that, that they don't live right anymore. No, our holy living in and of itself can't put us in heaven. But if we're truly saved, there ought to be a holiness about us. Can anybody say amen? How can you spot a fake faith? You spot it by looking at the lifestyle of the person. Can a fake faith have a confession? Yes. Can a fake faith call Jesus Lord? Yes. Can a fake faith draw near to the Lord Jesus with the mouth only? Yes. He said they draw near to me with their mouth, but their heart is what? Far from me. Can a fake faith say all the right things? Yes. Can a fake faith even have good, wonderful works? Those people that we just read about did. But Jesus said, I never knew. What was the determining thing? How can we recognize if somebody has a fake faith? Look at their lifestyle. He said, depart from me, you who practice sin. Christian was quote unquote Christians that don't attend the house of God regularly. I wonder if they're really saved. I don't have to go to church. Uh, Didn't he say in there not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together? I hope you're glad that I don't ride into this place on an elephant in the morning or or, or have sword swallowers or flamethrowers in here. I hope you're glad. I just don't want to have to entertain you. I want a people that's hungry for the teaching of the word of God and the moving of the Holy Ghost. The preaching I've done here today is not going to be popular in a lot of churches in this hour. But I don't care. It's what 
is right and it's what God wants. And there needs to be holiness come back to the church. You will never see a revival in this land. And I know there's people believing for it, but I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, you'll never see a revival in this land until you get the pulpits preaching it straight and right. I heard John Heggie the other day. He said it's an abomination to ordain a homosexual to the ministry. Thank God he said it. I said it's an abomination. He said it's an abomination. You won't hear that out of a lot of pulpits anymore. And, and you'll not see a revival in this land until the ministers as a whole get back preaching holiness. And as long as we got this fake faith going on where you stand up there and you say, well, just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. Uh, hey, before you can pray the salvation prayer, you've got to realize you're a sinner. And you've got to realize that you need a change. And you've got to realize that you've got to repent and turn from that old life and turn to Jesus. That's called, real loud, say repentance. Jesus, when his first message was repent and believe. Repentance has to precede faith. And then once you've repented, you've turned, and you can do it in a moment of time, and then from your heart, Bible faith, believe on the Lord Jesus, and that in and of itself, apart from any good works, saves you. And then, once you're saved, you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be perfect, no more than I am, but you're going to have that desire and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live right and to do right and to attend church and serve in church. Can you say amen? amen. I don't know, I just feel impressed to say it again. You'll not have a revival in this land until the pulpits begin to stand for the Word of God. Can't you see? Can't you see? I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, the judgment of God is pending on this nation. I said the judgment of God is pending on this nation. The judgment of God is pending on this nation. And until until the pulpits cry out like they did in the, the days of yesteryear, cry out against sin and start talking about this fake faith and this fake Christianity that's going on and the ministers get back to living right and then and then and then the fear of God comes back in the church and then and then not in a judgmental way but in a loving way we begin to reach out and call people then you could have a revival in this land but apart from that you'll not see it it'll just get darker and darker and darker judgment of God's pending and eventually the church will be caught out I'm looking for the rapture of the church how about you you okay you all right you still love me do you get anything out of this today? Does your work save you? No. What saves you? Your faith. But will that real Bible faith produce good works? Now, I want you to be in prayer because we're going to dig into the, these things as we go the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk about did Ananias and Sapphira, did they, they fell dead in church? Christians, did they go to heaven or hell? We're going to talk about that. What about Solomon? He backslid in the, in the later years of his life. Did he go to heaven or hell? What about Samson? He was an alcoholic and had, had problem with sexual problems. What happened to him? We're going to talk about that. What about that man in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, that was sleeping with his stepmother that was delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the 
flesh. Uh, are we, where did he go? Heaven or hell? We're going to discuss these. So what about the prodigal son? What if he'd have died when he was in, he left daddy's house, went to the pit? What if he'd have died in the pig pen? We're going to talk about these things and, and be praying for me that the spirit, of, the spirit of God wants me to get up here. He wants to flow through me in these next couple weeks and bring some, some revelation of the word of God concerning these things. And, 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 and will you be praying for me? That we say what it is the Spirit of God once said. You all right? You okay? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Maybe there'll be a revival take place in our church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We could use a revival. Amen. Revive some things.